0: Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hi, hello, and howdy. Hey, good to see you. Thanks for coming. Um, If you were here last week, we had an incident. (laughs) We missed you. Hey, hey, thank you. I I missed me too, because the... Uh, I was in the bathroom all day. Um, I got some kind of stomach bug. What are you giving me this, for, this one for? Thanks. I was, given, I, I was given a stomach bug by someone very generous. And uh, it, was a, it was a nightmare that I've had for, for as long as I've been up here doing messages. I always, uh, you know, sometimes I wouldn't feel great, and I was worried something was going to happen. And last week, something was going to (laughs) happen, and it happened in the kitchen over there. Oh, my gosh. Here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful that uh, we have people who are able to jump in and step up and get on the stage and give a message. Uh, that's, That's insane. I don't know if I'd be able to do the same thing. Uh, I'm thankful for the group of, I think, 16 or 17 people. 16 or 17 showed up yesterday to work on different things at the church, to fix things, to clean things up, to reorganize things. And just they got an insane amount of work done. And so thank you guys for what you did. Um, I like you guys. We're going to invite our ushers to to come forward and uh, do an offering if you guys would just pray with me for that that'd be great so God thank you for the things that we're thankful for thank you for just blessings and beyond blessings spoilings that you spoil your kids because your word says that fathers give good gifts to their kids and you do and so we just we love you we thank you uh, we give you this offering uh, to, to reinvest into your kingdom and to just give back a portion of the, the things that you've given to us. We praise your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, they're going to pass those things along. And uh, today, what we're going to talk about is what I was going to talk about last week. Ha, <laughs> ha, which is uh, how to lose your religion. How to lose your religion. Uh, A lot of you grew up in religion. Over 80% of Cincinnati people uh, went to Catholic church or Methodist church. Methodist is the number two in Cincinnati. Um, That's the second biggest one, but it's about 70-something percent Catholic. Um, A lot of you grew up with religion in your family, in your life, somehow that you went to mass, you went to a service, and you went through a bunch of things that you knew. Eventually, if you kept going, you knew what was going to happen next. Okay, we kneel at this time, we stand at this time, we do this. Um, we uh, grace be with you, and also with you, and an extra piece for you. But this religion, uh, for a lot of people, it it can be a really beautiful thing, but for a lot of people, it can be a thing that completely keeps you from ever knowing who Jesus is. Uh, That the religion part of it becomes the focus. Um, And so I'm kind of lucky in that I didn't grow up going to church, and so I didn't really have this religious experience, honestly. I didn't go to church until I was 18 or 19. And so the stories that I hear from people, I didn't experience a lot of these things. A lot of you have been abused by a church in some way. A lot of you have been um, hurt. And, so, and it doesn't mean that we haven't done it. We've hurt lots of people somehow. But a lot of people that I've talked with have been damaged, harmed, um, or at least, at the very least, given a horrible taste of Jesus uh, because of church, because uh, they had a gay friend who wasn't allowed to come with them, because uh, they know somebody who is—they're um, not—they're not church material, and so um, it, it just—it just didn't work out. I've had experiences where, um, you know, things just—they just, just kind of made me sick. Um, one of my best friends, uh, James had an incredible testimony that he shared at a church and someone stopped him 3 quarters of the way through it because he had a hat on and they said that it was it was detestable and that it was it was sacrilegious and it was against blah blah it was, it was and they ruined his story because he was wearing a freaking hat they ruined the, the story about what God had been doing in his life because he was wearing a hat. I believe that's religion that brings you to that place. And so um, how do you lose your religion and keep the Jesus part? If we are able to lose our religion, I believe it gives us an opportunity to follow Jesus and experience a relationship with him. If you've, if you've been in church for any number of years, You've heard that it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And it, it just is. And for some of you out there, I know that's still like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about a relationship? What I'm talking about is a relationship with Jesus where you are able to talk to him. Uh, you're able to rely on him. You're able to, you're able to pray. You're able to, um, a lot of people hear back from him. A lot of people receive, and that can be in a lot of different ways. And if you're thinking I'm sounding like a crazy person right now, technically I am. (laughs) But I've had experiences with Jesus. And I know lots of people who've had these experiences. So here's where here's where we're gonna start today. Um, Sometimes you have to unlearn stuff to be able to learn stuff. And I'm betting that some of you have some things that need to be unlearned. Um, So just as an example, I'm gonna give you a a practical one to start. Um, I'm gonna teach you how to tie your shoes, okay? Uh, Really, Uh, because probably, I mean, almost all of you are tying your shoes wrong. Uh, Do your shoes come untied? When you're walking, ever, you're doing it wrong. It, it, are you double knotting to keep that from him? You're doing it wrong. You want me to teach you how to tie your shoes and I'm not kidding? Uh, the president of Zappos, the, one of the largest shoe companies in the world, uh, he said that when he was an employee, when he wasn't the president, when he's the employee, people would come in all the time and just say, these were expensive shoes. What, my shoelaces come untied all the time. He would say, you're tying your shoes wrong. I'd say, what do you mean? I'm, I've been tying my shoes for my whole life. Pretty much. Well, let's go. Let's take them off so you can see a little bit better. You can follow along if you would like. Let's see. All right, so we have a shoe, and this is going to be pretty easy. You only got to change one little thing, and I swear you're going to come, people come back to me, they're like, "You changed my shoe life." <laughs> so what do we all do? We all do this, right? We cross over and we pull it tight, then we make a bunny ear, yes? And then we go over the bunny ear, that's where we went wrong, go under the bunny ear. Instead of going over the bunny ear, go under the bunny ear and pull it through, and pull it tight, and the other thing that's gonna happen is you know how your shoelaces always do this dumb thing where they try to go sideways to the front of your shoe? That's because you've been tying your shoes wrong. Uh, this way puts the axis of the knot in the proper position and your shoelaces will lay perfectly left to right and they will not come untied. You're welcome. You just... <laughs> <laughs> and so it's one of those things though where I go to tie my shoes every time and I have that that hesitation that... Uh, I start to go over the bunny ear. And I go, wait a second, I know a better way now. I know, I know a better way. This isn't, this isn't the thing that I learned when I grew up, but it's, it's a way that works a lot better. So I tie and I go under the bunny ear. I pull it tight. And, oh, look at these laces. <laughs> now you know the secret. Um, sometimes it's similar in the unlearning, it's like something that is just ingrained in you. It's something that's ingrained in you that you grew up with. So some of you might be bothered by the fact that we don't have communion every week here at church. We've had that complaint a million times. Why do you not have communion every week? Well, because we don't need to. Um... But we, yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up taking communion every week. And if you were really good, you took it every day. If you were a Catholic grandma, <laughs> like mine, yeah. man, I think she got addicted to that stuff. <laughs> and so they would say, why, why do you not take communion every week? Here we do it every, you know, every three or four weeks. Um, sometimes we, we skip our scheduled one and we do it a, a week or two later. Uh, one of the reasons for that is because um, religion tells you you need to do that every week. Jesus never did. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Not once a week. Not also on Wednesdays. Not during Lent. You need to do it four times. Like, he did not say those things. He, he never he never did. And so that's an addition that that... Man came along and and added to the story. But it's not something that Jesus was up to. So the thing about um, a lot of people who go to church that you might need to hear, I don't know if you need to hear this or not, but spiritual activity does not equal spiritual maturity. Um, And so a lot of people are very spiritually active. They go to a lot of things. Um, they, like, they're, they're busy. And so a lot of churches will have a Wednesday night And I'm not saying that's bad. That's, that's great. But they'll, they'll go to every single thing. And spiritual activity doesn't equal spiritual maturity. It's like, um, you know, going into a garage doesn't make you a car. Like going into a church doesn't make you a believer. Let's jump into something. John chapter 9. John chapter 9 is a story about Jesus healing a man who was born blind, and so this is a guy who has never seen a sunset, he's never seen uh, the, the beauty of people, he's never seen the rain, he's never seen just any of it. It says, Jesus heals a man who was born blind. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Who sinned? This man or his parents? Like, who who did this to where he deserves this? I've asked that question about my life what did I do to deserve this? Like, what did I do? And I'll start to slip into that thing that is not biblical, that is not true. What did I do to deserve this? The disciples who are with Jesus are asking him, what did he do to deserve this? But you said he was born blind, so what did his parents do, right? What did his parents do? That could be a, a curse, a family curse type thing. Or maybe it's karma. We hear about that term karma all the time. If you ever use the term karma, just to let you know, it's, a, it's dumb. Um, it, it's, a, it's a, a new word that came along to explain um, a biblical thing called sowing and reaping. And that you reap what you sow. And it was, that was figured out and written about 2,000 years before the word karma was ever written. But that idea of things coming back to bite you, that idea of, um, well, I've been doing this good thing, so I should have some good coming to me. Type idea, And so the disciples are like, you know, should we see if Jesus wants to heal this guy like this guy is? I mean, obviously, if he's blind from birth, obviously he sinned or his parents did something. And so they said, Jesus, we've seen you heal, you know, deaf people, blind people, dead people. They've, they've seen Jesus do that stuff before. But instead, the disciples do a thing that we do all the time. Um, instead of helping a person, we talk about them. Instead of helping them, we talk about them, right? Because it's easier. It's just easier than going over and trying to help, than seeing somebody and knowing they got something going on that you could, man, you could literally make a difference with them, but it's just easier. Um, Religion is a conversation about somebody and a relationship is a conversation with somebody. Religion has been called uh, man's attempt to reach God and Christianity is God's attempt to reach us. It's him chasing us. That Jesus is the one who left the 99 behind to go and find the one and the one is you. That that's who he is. We had a guy outside in the parking lot several years ago who I was here at the, the building during the week looking because I heard somebody uh, yelling and saying all kinds of nonsense. I look out one of these windows and there is a guy just, he's by himself stumbling around the parking lot. This was like 11 a.m. And he is just stumbling. All, he's falling. He's talking to somebody that's not there. And I'm just watching him out the window. And I went and got somebody like, look at this guy. And we're watching out the window, and it hit me, I'm like, I'm kind of a dirtbag. <laughs> I need to see if this guy needs help. And so I went out to see if he needed help, and he wa- I couldn't understand. He was speaking, like, not regular English. Like, it was cursive. Like, it was <laughs> like, everything was like <laughs> it, it took a while, but I learned his dialect, and finally just like are you okay are you all right do you need to talk to somebody or and he said he needed to ride home and so I gave him a ride home and he's talking to me for a while he doesn't know where his house is for one thing we get lost we drive all over the place Eventually get him back home. But during that time, we had conversations about every possible thing. He came to our church multiple times after that. I don't know where he is now, but I pray that he is blessed. Verse 3 in this story says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work, but while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground. Here's where it gets weird. After saying this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva. You know how much saliva it takes to make mud? A decent bit. And he put it on the man's eyes. The disciples are like, we want to follow in your steps, but man, that's gross. <laughs> it's, and it's messy. And it's weird. It's not conventional. It's not one, two, three, four. It's not steps A, B, and C to heal somebody like we've heard before that you're supposed to go through these steps. Um, you know, you're supposed to go through these steps. Um, oh, we never read about the spitting on the ground part. Religion is pretty. A lot of times, relationships with people are messy. They're messy. I've been to churches before, and maybe you've seen church signs that kind of, kind of tell you what's going on. But I've been to places before where it's like the message is: we are a pretty church. We have pretty people who have pretty lives. And if you're not a pretty person with a pretty life, it's probably best if you don't come to our church. That's for real. And what it makes are fake people uh, who can't confess things, who can't let people know they have doubts just all the time. How are you doing? Just so blessed. Oh, are you really? I'm not blessed all the time. Miracles come from messes. Miracles come from messes. Um, it's not ever the story is there was some perfect, pretty person. And then they got prettier. <laughs> miracles come from messes. Miracles come from mistakes. Miracles come from, um, from tragedies. Miracles come from the opposite of miracles Right? Verse 7 says, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So that the man went and washed and came home seeing. They came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, they asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him but he himself said, I am the man. Then how were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and I washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees now the Pharisees are—if you don't know—they're—they're they're the religious leaders. They're the ones who make the rules. They're the ones who try to keep the rules intact, um, and they didn't have—you know—a lot of a lot of churches, a lot of groups of people that are trying to make the rules and keep the rules are, are not are not wrong completely. In the Old Testament, um, there are six hundred and thirteen. They're called mitzvot. 613 rules or regulations. So do this or don't do that. 613 of them. The thing is, when Jesus came along, when he accomplished the work that needed to be done from the Old Testament, those things didn't become useless, but they, didn't be, they were no longer necessary where you would be in trouble for not doing these certain things. The Pharisees, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. It says, now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. It was a a Sabbath, a holy day, a a religious rule. That this day is supposed to be set apart for for God only. You're, You're only allowed to take so many steps during this day. If you take more than that number of steps, you're I guess God hates you. Um, if you do such and such, God hates you. If you. There were a group of rabbis called Bleeding Rabbis because they would walk with their head down so that they did not look lustfully upon a woman and they would smash their heads open constantly because they were, so, I mean, they were like, actually, I cannot look. Because if they do, God will hate them, right? So he says, he made this mud and opened the man's eyes. It was the Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. Right away, a miracle happened. This isn't God. This is, what is this? This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. Religion a lot of times holds you back from things. Relationship is designed to set you free. Jesus is there to set you free not to make things more of a prison. How many of you grew up in a setting where you felt like you were never good enough? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to be stuck in that place. That, and that, that's what religion does to people too. Maybe religion was the thing that did it to you. Verse 18 says, They still did not believe that he'd been Blind and that had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it then that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue, would be kicked out of the church. That's why his parents said he's of age, ask him. We don't want to be kicked out, but we're fine if our son is. (laughs) Religion controls people through fear. Um, it controls people through fear. If you don't, if you don't do this, you're not allowed. You're not allowed back. Um, if you don't do this, if you don't, if you don't donate this amount of money, you're not allowed back. If you don't follow these rules, you're not, you're you're not part of our our clique, our group, or whatever. That you'll be punished in some way. You'll lose something. That we can hurt you if you. And it's always out of fear. They're afraid that. They're afraid that they're going to lose their numbers. They're afraid that they're going to lose their influence or something. And so out of fear, we bring these things that we can hurt you. You're going to lose something. You'll be punished. Verse 24 says, a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. They said, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. We know it. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is I was blind and now I can see. I know that. I know there's been a lot of press lately for some reason. <laughs> Religion never seems to understand the things that Jesus is up to. The, thing, the way that he's moving. We've never been, anytime we've tried as a church to um, guide the church in a certain, the Holy Spirit guided it differently. Just again and again. There's a, a really old poem called The Calf Path that tells a story of um, this this walking path that was just winding and wayward and kind of stupid it didn't make any sense, but it was a it was a popular way from getting from this one um, it was kind of a, a a mountain area to another one um, another village um, and the 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 path was ridiculous and if you just would have gone straight, it, it would have been so much quicker it would have been so much shorter but people would walk on this path and it would kind of wind this way and that way and go back and forth and and they would talk about it all the time Who, who on earth made this path? Cows did Cows made it and they're walking around all over and they're not very smart and eventually, over time, they walked in these wayward directions back and forth, and they wore a path in the ground, and it got bigger and bigger, and eventually men came along and started walking this path because, I don't know, it's the path that was there, right? It's the path. Why, why are you taking this ridiculous route to that place? Because, I don't know, because the other guys did, right? And it's a story about religion that a lot of times we end up doing things that we have no idea even why we do them. We just do them because somebody told us to. Or we do them because our parents did. Or we do them because that's what you do when you're in that place. I think, But when you don't, when you don't know, when you don't know why you're doing those things, it's really, really hard to meet Jesus in that place to find him and go like I don't even know why we Verse 27 He says he answered I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I like that this guy's kind of like are you also interested in Jesus? Then they hurled insults at him and they said you're this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Any guesses? The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to a godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. Were any of you steeped in sin at birth? Dang it, I was too. You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us, they say. And they threw him out. They threw him out. See, the thing that I've noticed about religion is that it always brings up your past. Like it always brings up your past. About what you, remember when you did this, though? Have you atoned for this? Have you, uh, yeah, but you're not perfect because you did that. It just always brings up your past. Jesus, though, he says, you know, that might be the thing that you did, but that's not who you are. I used to be a thief. Uh, I used to be a thief. That's not who I am anymore. Um, I stole all kinds of things. Stole all kinds of money. Um, and Jesus says, Yeah, that's the thing that you did. That's not who you are anymore, though. You've been redeemed. You've been changed. You're a new creation in Christ. Um, that's what you did. It's not who you are. Some of you out there. I know you need to hear this right now, I'm going to just keep saying it. That's the thing that you did, it's not who you are. That's the thing that you did, the mistake that you made, it's not who you are. You might have lost, you're not a loser. You might have failed, you're not a failure. Verse 35 says about spiritual blindness. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, and when he found him, I like this part. Jesus heard they threw this guy out, and when he found him, because religion throws you out, and Jesus finds you. Jesus had heard that they had thrown him out, and when they when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. He's in that spot right now. You gave me my sight back, dude. I'll, who is this guy? What do you want give me to give him a back rub? What do you want? I'll do whatever you want. Who is he? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You've now seen him. You've now seen him. In fact... He is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He changes his language right away from sir to recognizing it and saying it out loud, Lord. That's who you are, isn't it? You are the Lord, the one who gave me my sight back. Religion will throw you out. Jesus will come and find you. They said he's the hound of heaven. I heard from another one of my friends, a church that he grew up in, uh, that he was a part of for several years. The reason why he ended up leaving is because the church split, which happens too often. A church will split because half or whatever of the church believes one thing and half believes another thing. Um, we haven't had that issue here, but churches can split over this kind of thing. And the reason why his church split was because of uh, the, the new carpet that they were installing in the sanctuary <laughs> and what color it was going to be. And it started the process of split. I'm not kidding. <laughs> okay. Okay. Religion will throw you out, Jesus will come and find you uh, wherever you are. If you think that you need to show up to a place, that's what everybody, I need to get cleaned up so that I'm a pretty person. No, Jesus finds uglies. <laughs> like he finds you in the, when you're stuck in a thorn bush and you're just, your hair's a mess. Jesus seen you on the toilet. I mean... He has, though. So if you're trying to be, I mean, he's seen you in the most, he's seen you at your worst. And he comes to find you. He doesn't say, Oh my God, look what you did. You're bad. You're bad. That was one of the negative core beliefs that I had for most of my life. You are bad. You are bad. And had to find out, wait a second, maybe I was at some point. But I'm not bad. Jesus has redeemed that. If there ever was badness, it's been replaced with good. With Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I've come into the world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say it, and they asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. Jesus doesn't like hypocrites. He doesn't like hypocrites, and so uh, that's one of the things that we've tried to, To stay away from here, and I am proud of us as a church for being a less hypocritical place. I know we mess it up at different times, but Jesus does not like hypocrites, is what I've learned. He does not like hypocrites. What he's saying here is that the people who think they got it together, the people who think they got it, that's who I'm here to judge the people who think they've got it together. Those who are blind, those who don't know what they don't know, I'm here so that I can open their eyes. Let's pray. God, I I just thank you again and again and again that, that you come and find us, that I was lost, I was missing, I was running away, I was whatever it was, And you leave the 99 to come and find the one. Because every one of us is worth it to you. God, thank you that every one of us is worth it to you. Thank you that whatever um, happened with a, a church growing up or with our family, with religion being harmful, thank you that Jesus has given us a better way. Thank you that we can read your word and and find out who you really are. Thank you for being a good father who gives good gifts to your kids. Thank you that that thing that we did in our past is something that we did and it's not who we are. If anybody in this room has a, a title for themselves... The title of um, loser the title of of fat the title of um, the title of slut the title of jerk the title of Any expletives? The title of unfun? The title of irresponsible? If any of you have any of these, you need to hear. Those are some things that you've done that is not who you are. Those are some things that you've done that is not who you are. And there is nothing that you could ever do to make God love you any less. He loves you completely. And so we pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, come that you would uh, bring just an awareness of our identity, just that truth of our identity. If that thing pops back into our head, that, that says you are this, you are irresponsible or whatever it is, that we would be able to fire back with the truth. That is something that I did. That is not who I am. Because Jesus came and found me. We praise you, Lord, for the things that you do, the work you've done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good to see you guys. Hey, we're gonna have some. Oh, thanks. Nice. We're gonna have some prayer team people over here by the cross. If anybody needs to be prayed for for anything, we would love to do that. And uh, I hope you guys have a good week. See you soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.